Chapter 9, Part 5 of Famous Stories Every Child Should Know. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Dion Gines. Famous Stories Every Child Should Know. Edited by Hamilton Wright Maybe. Chapter 9, Part 5 The Nuremberg Stove by Louise de la Ramee. Part 5. Presently they touched the pier at Leone. Now, men, for a stout mile and a half, you shall drink your reward at Christmas time, said one of the dealers to his porters, who, stout, strong men as they were, showed a disposition to grumble at their task. Encouraged by large promises, they shouldered sullenly the Nuremberg stove, grumbling again at its preposterous weight but little dreaming that they carried within it a small, panting, trembling boy, for August began to tremble now that he was about to see the future owner of Hirschvogel. If he looks a good, kind man, he thought, I will beg him to let me stay with it. The porters began their toilsome journey and moved off from the village pier. He could see nothing, for the brass door was over his head, and all that gleamed through it was the clear gray sky. He had been tilted on to his back, and if he had not been a little mountaineer, used to hanging head downward over crevices, and, moreover, seasoned to rough treatment by the hunters and guides of the hills and the salt workers in the town, he would have been made ill and sick by the bruising and shaking and many changes of position to which he had been subjected. The way the men took was a mile and a half in length, but the road was heavy with snow, and the burden they bore was heavier still. The dealers cheered them on, swore at them, and praised them in one breath, besought them, and reiterated their splendid promises, for a clock was striking eleven, and they had been ordered to reach their destination at that hour, and though the air was so cold, the heat drops rolled off their foreheads as they walked. They were so frightened at being late, but the porters would not budge a foot quicker than they chose, and as they were not poor four-footed carriers, their employers dared not thrash them, though most willingly would they have done so. The road seemed terribly long to the anxious tradesmen, to the plodding porters, to the poor little man inside the stove, as he kept sinking and rising, sinking and rising with each of their steps. Where they were going he had no idea. Only after a very long time he lost the sense of the fresh icy wind blowing on his face through the brasswork above and felt by their movements beneath him that they were mounting steps or stairs. Then he heard a great many different voices, but he could not understand what was being said. He felt that his bearers paused some time, then moved on and on again. Their feet went so softly he thought they must be moving on carpet, and as he felt a warm air come to him he concluded that he was in some heated chambers, for he was a clever little fellow, and could put two and two together, though he was so hungry and so thirsty, and his empty stomach felt so strangely. They must have gone, he thought, through some very great number of rooms, for they walked so long on and on, on and on. At last the stove was set down again, and happily for him, set so that his feet were downward. What he fancied was that he was in some museum, like that which he had seen in the city of Innsbruck. The voices he heard were very hushed, and the steps seemed to go away, far away, leaving him alone with Hirschvogel. He dared not look out, but he peeped through the brasswork, 
and all he could see was a big carved lion's head in ivory with a gold crown atop it belonged to a velvet fautier but he could not see the chair only the ivory lion there was a delicious fragrance in the air a fragrance as flowers only how can it be flowers thought august it is november from afar off as it seemed there came a dreamy exquisite music as sweet as the spinets had been but so much fuller so much richer seeming as though a chorus of angels were singing all together august ceased to think of the museum he thought of heaven are we gone to the master he thought remembering the words of hirschvogel all was so still around him there was no sound anywhere except the sound of the far-off choral music he did not know it but he was in the royal castle of berg and the music he heard was the music of wagner who was playing in a distant room some of the motives of parsival presently he heard a fresh step near him and he heard a low voice say close behind him so an exclamation no doubt he thought of admiration and wonder at the beauty of hirschvogel then the same voice said after a long pause during which no doubt as august thought this newcomer was examining all the details of the wondrous fire tower it was well bought it is exceedingly beautiful it is most undoubtedly the work of augustine hirschvogel then the hand of the speaker turned the round handle of the brass door and the fainting soul of the poor little prisoner within grew sick with fear the handle turned the door was slowly drawn open someone bent down and looked in and the same voice that he had heard in praise of its beauty called aloud in surprise what is this in it a live child then august terrified beyond all self-control and dominated by one master passion sprang out of the body of the stove and fell at the feet of the speaker oh let me stay pray mynheer let me stay he sobbed i have come all the way with hirschvogel some gentleman's hands seized him not gently by any means and their lips angrily muttered in his ear little knave peace be quiet hold your tongue it is the king they were about to drag him out of the august atmosphere as if he had been some venomous dangerous beast come there to slay but the voice he had heard speak of the stove said in kind accents poor little child he is very young let him go let him speak to me the word of a king is law to his courtiers so sorely against their wish the angry and astonished chamberlains let august slide out of their grasp and he stood there in his little rough sheepskin coat and his thick mud-covered boots with his curling hair all in a tangle in the midst of the most beautiful chamber he had ever dreamed of and in the presence of a young man with a beautiful dark face and eyes full of dreams and fire and the young man said to him my child how came you here hidden in the stove be not afraid tell me the truth i am the king august in an instinct of homage cast his great battered black hat with the tarnished gold tassels down on the floor of the room and folded his little brown hands in supplication he was too intensely in earnest to be in any way abashed he was too lifted out of himself by his love for hirschvogel to be conscious of any awe before any earthly majesty he was only so glad so glad it was the king kings were always kind so the tyrolese think who love their lords 
oh dear king he said with trembling entreaty in his faint little voice hirschvogel was ours and we have loved it all our lives and father sold it and when i saw that it did really go from us then i said to myself i would go with it and i have come all the way inside it and last night it spoke and said beautiful things and i do pray you to let me live with it and i will go out every morning and cut wood for it and you if only you will let me stay beside it no one has ever fed it with fuel but me since i grew big enough and it loves me it does indeed it said so last night and it said that it had been happier with us than if it were in any palace and then his breath failed him and as he lifted his little eager pale face to the young king's great tears were falling down his cheeks now the king liked all poetic and uncommon things and there was that in the child's face which pleased and touched him he motioned to his gentleman to leave the little boy alone what is your name he asked him i am august strela my father is hans strela we live in hall in the inthal and hirschvogel has been ours so long so long his lips quivered with a broken sob and you have truly travelled inside the stove all the way from tyrol yes said august no one thought to look inside till you did the king laughed then another view of the matter occurred to him who bought the stove of your father he inquired traitors of munich said august who did not know that he ought not to have spoken to the king as to a simple citizen and whose little brain was whirling and spinning dizzily around its one central idea what sum did they pay your father do you know asked the sovereign two hundred florins said august with a great sigh of shame it was so much money and he is so poor and there are so many of us the king turned to his gentleman in waiting did these dealers of munich come with the stove he was answered in the affirmative he desired them to be sought for and brought before him as one of his chamberlains hastened on the errand the monarch looked at august with compassion you are very pale little fellow when did you eat last i had some bread and sausage with me yesterday afternoon i finished it you would like to eat now if i might have a little water i would be glad my throat is very dry the king had water and wine brought for him and cake also but august though he drank eagerly could not swallow anything his mind was in too great a tumult may i stay with hirschvogel may i stay he said with feverish agitation wait a little said the king and asked abruptly what do you wish to be when you are a man a painter i wish to be what hirschvogel was i mean the master that made my hirschvogel i understand said the king then the two dealers were brought into their sovereign's presence they were so terribly alarmed not being either so innocent or so ignorant as august was that they were trembling as though they were being led to the slaughter and they were so utterly astonished too at a child having come all the way from tyrol in the stove as a gentleman of the court had just told them this child had done that they could not tell what to say or where to look and presented a very foolish aspect indeed did you buy this nuremberg stove of this little boy's father for two hundred florins the king asked them and his voice was no longer soft and kind as it had been when addressing a child but very stern yes your majesty murmured the trembling traders and how much did the gentleman who purchased it for me give to you 
two thousand ducats your majesty muttered the dealers frightened out of their wits and telling the truth in their fright the gentleman was not present he was a trusted counsellor in art matters of the king and often made purchases for him the king smiled a little and said nothing the gentleman had made out the price to him as eleven thousand ducats you will give at once to this boy's father the two thousand gold ducats that you received less the two hundred austrian florins that you paid him said the king to his humiliated and abject subjects you are great rogues be thankful you are not more greatly punished he dismissed them by a sign to his courtiers and to one of these gave the mission of making the dealers of the merriam plots disgorge their ill-gotten gains august heard and felt dazzled yet miserable two thousand gold bavarian ducats for his father why his father would never need to go any more to the salt-baking and yet whether for ducats or for florins hirschvogel was sold just the same and would the king let him stay with it would he oh do oh please do he murmured joining his little brown weather-stained hands and kneeling down before the young monarch who himself stood absorbed in painful thought for the deception so basely practised for the greedy sake of gain on him by a trusted counsellor was bitter to him he looked down on the child and as he did so smiled once more rise up my little man he said in a kind voice kneel only to your god will i let you stay with your hirschvogel yes i will you shall stay at my court and you shall be taught to be a painter in oils or on porcelain as you will and you must grow up worthily and win all the laurels at our schools of art and if when you are twenty-one years old you have done well and bravely then i will give you your nuremberg stove or if i am no more living than those who reign after me shall do so and now go away with this gentleman and be not afraid and you shall light a fire every morning in hirschvogel but you will not need to go out and cut the wood then he smiled and stretched out his hand the courtiers tried to make august understand that he ought to bow and touch it with his lips but august could not understand that anyhow he was too happy he threw his two arms about the king's knees and kissed his feet passionately then he lost all sense of where he was and fainted away from hunger and tire and emotion and wondrous joy as the darkness of his swoon closed in on him he heard in his fancy the voice from hirschvogel saying let us be worthy our maker he is only a scholar yet but he is a happy scholar and promises to be a great man sometimes he goes back for a few days to hall where the gold ducats have made his father prosperous in the old house-room there is a large white porcelain stove of munich the king's gift to dorothea and gilda and august never goes home without going into the great church and saying his thanks to god who blessed his strange winter's journey in the nuremberg stove as for his dream in the dealer's room that night he will never admit that he did dream it he still declares that he saw it all and heard the voice of hirschvogel and who shall say that he did not for what is the gift of the poet and the artist except to see the sights which others cannot see and to hear the sounds that others cannot hear end of chapter nine part five recording by dion gines 
Salt Lake City, Utah.